Welcome back, everyone, to our late-to-the-party rewatch of Neon Genesis Evangelion, the seminal teenagers versus giant monsters anime of the late 20th century. I'm Frank, and together with Russell James and a host of special guests, we're walking you through the show as it finally receives wide distribution on Netflix. Right now, actually. Um, all right, so yeah, we are now in episode three of our rewatch we're covering episodes 12 to 17 of the anime. That's right, folks, right? You you guys, that's it's 12 mm-hmm. to 17. Yeah. You got it. Uh, so spoiler warnings for everything up until and including that. Uh, holy crap. <laughs> I uh, So I think at this point, I could definitively say that if I watched any of this, it was mostly in the beginning of the series mm-hmm. and maybe a few scenes from later on. Uh, we all talked in previous episodes about how difficult it was to get anime back in the day and you, you were lucky to get what you got. Uh, but now uh, upon rewatching it, a second impact was a nightmare. <laughs> yep. A beautiful yep. nightmare. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's what kicks off this arc for us, which is, um, Great, because it's a nice bit of, of world building, honestly, right away. I mean, we start out looking back to Second Impact and sort of through Misato's eyes, uh, sort of paying off the little bit of foreshadowing we had in, in episode 10, Magma Diver, about her scar and you know what she knows of what happened then. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's an apocalyptic event. Complete with uh, Misato's father's hands melting off the bone as he... <laughs> puts his daughter in a safety vessel and launches her out. I mean, wow. Just a few <laughs> seconds of footage and suddenly, because uh, in a show like this, that's you know heavy in the teenage drama, mm-hmm. it's very easy to lose the horror aspect of it. And well, you're just smacked in the face with it immediately in, in episode 12. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. This arc is just... It goes kind of from like zero to a hundred. We had a lot of the the last arc feels very typical anime and like a lot of fun, but this group of episodes we picked just really doubles down on oh, on a lot of things that I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure if I like or dislike. The philosophy starts. The philosophy starts to come to the forefront. In previous episodes, we could talk a lot about the psychology of characters. And people would have these semi-deep conversations. But this one really hits you with the philosophy. I mean, just in sort of following up on Second Impact, we have, you know, uh, Gendo goes down uh, to the South Pole uh, along with Kozo to um, basically, you know, to go on a research thing. And they spend this thing talking about what is science compared to the power of a god? Science brought us to this, you know. And and it's this this ecological disaster, basically. I mean, you know, the, the ocean levels have risen and the water is poisoned and all, you know, all this stuff because of the Second Impact. But yeah, but they have this 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 you know back and forth about the power of gods and the power of science, and that sort of thing doesn't let up, the, you know, through the rest of the series. It, you know, the, the philosophy becomes a big part of what of what happens. It is sort of hit or miss. I know what you're saying, James. In that sometimes it's right on the nose, and then sometimes it's too much on the nose, and then mm. sometimes it's completely at a left field where you can understand the philosophy of science versus, uh, I guess, cosmology of the fates, the world, the, the gods themselves. Mm-hmm. But then like you get moments where, where, and this happens in a lot of anime mm-hmm. where an attempt to, to 
used Judeo-Christian themes just gets really odd. We're, we're, we're going to jump. We're not going to jump ahead. You know what? We'll, we'll wait until we get to Adam. We've already got the, we've already got the Lance of Longinus appearing soon. So yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're well on the way. A lot of stuff. They throw mm-hmm. a lot of things at the fan and some of it sticks and some of it does. And the, the artistry is still on point and very anime. So we get, mm-hmm. we open up on the, the, the amazing scenes from second impact um, and then immediately cut to fan service with Masato trying to put her bra on. <laughs> it's the same character. And I'm, it's, I'm looking at this going and it's, it, it's highlighting her scar. Right. Well, mm-hmm. I'm also thinking like, this is, if I ever had to describe anime to anyone <laughs> with mm. all its benefits and pitfalls, I would use this scene. It's an example of what they've done in other times. So they've kind of put like that sexy thing in there, but with a sort of a disturbing element. I mean, this 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 continues through the whole thing, especially in situations around Shinji's understanding of sexuality, where there's there's a a, a discomfort and almost a kind of a horror in it, you know, through, throughout. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And as you get, we get a lot of his at- attempts to create or to have relationships in in this arc, and a lot of them do get thrown in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the the way generations are, are finally being explored in this. Mm. Um, so there's a there's a scene in, uh, in in this arc where Masato promises her three charges: mm-hmm. if you're doing this incredibly dangerous mission and you don't die. I'll give you a steak dinner. <laughs> and that scene is all over the place. It starts off with the kids really excited about it. But then as soon as she walks out, they're like, are they, is she serious? A steak dinner? What, what do we care about a steak dinner? And I think, um, and I'm not sure who it is who says it, uh, says Masada, uh, talks about Masada, like, oh yeah, the, the pre-second impact generation is so weird. Yeah, some, re- some really cheap standards, I think is what Asuka says yeah. about her. Yes, yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. I think it also the entire episode kind of focuses on Masato's position in the whole thing. And I feel like we kind of give Masato this like, oh, she's their fun sort of caretaker, sort of guardian. And we are presented in this episode with Masato's might just be a means to an end, like literally anything Mm-hmm. Those kids, all of nerve, all of it could just be a means to an end for the revenge that was the destruction mm-hmm. given to the world in the second impact. And that's how they. I, the, I think that that's even stated at the end of this episode, I think. Really. Not not by Masato, but by. Um, Gendo. Gendo. Yeah. yeah, yeah like the purpose, like, the, Yeah. The damage to the arm is OK. The purpose of the Evas is to destroy angels. Yeah, it it extends then into onto Shinji, onto Ray, onto Asuka, onto the mm-hmm. whole group. You know, you are, yeah, I'll get you a steak dinner at the end. You know, but the reality is your tools, your weapons, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you don't survive, we can find more children because there are more <laughs> of those. And you you look at this and you like it's impossible, and you do yourself a disservice to watch this and just be like, all right, teenagers and giant robots fighting monsters. Uh, because you, you look at it like, how does this explain or what does this have to say about generational violence and what we expect of the next generation to kind of resolve the mm. issues that the current one is experiencing or historical things? And from at the time, in the context of the of the period where it was made, you have to think about what, and this is true of pretty much every anime, is you think about what mm-hmm. is it 
in reflection of the Second World War. And now moving forward, you look at it and you're like, is this what's the reflection of the current climate crisis or political crisis mm -hmm. that see, you know, what, what's the generation after millennials? Is it Y Yennials? I don't know, whatever stupid I name. I thought it was Z. We, I don't know. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. None of this, none of this really matters, except for the fact that people who are in a certain age group are, are now being politicized and like activized more so than we've seen in the past where like they feel like they have to stand up and save the world themselves because nothing will be left for them. Uh, and it's interesting. I, I wonder what, if any impact this show being released on Netflix, which is a very, you know, young and up and coming medium will have, will, will young people watch the show and like it, or will this just be, for the nostalgic old farts who are too old to save the world anymore, I guess. I, I am looking forward to that, honestly. And one of the things I am kind of hoping we can do is, you know, to continue to have people on who haven't seen it before, because that's, you know, that's really the, the fun part, because it is speaking to those generational things and speaking to things like apocalypse and worldwide environmental disaster. This, yeah, this, you know, it's still got this show has a lot to say. <laughs> and Ray may be a vegan. I don't know. Well, <laughs> not Maybe. sure. We're not sure. She doesn't like beef. Oh, or pork. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was just, yeah. yeah. Just uh, like so. Yeah. Beef. What other um, highlights that uh, do either of you want to talk about? Well, actually, we can go on a little bit and talking again about sort of the generational stuff that that continues on to the next episode, which is kind of like the Ritzko uh, focus episode. Uh, Ritzko. Oh and my god. Musa. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of all about them. The, the pilots get shoved into their pods and ejected out to go sit in a lake while while they spend the entire time like hacking the mainframe and doing all of that that crazy stuff. Like, oh no, it's infected the seven quadrant. It's not responding to commit. All of that just you know, people type so fast, you know, that they the, the letters fly across the screen. You know, hacking. To, yeah, hacking to get rid of a <laughs> hacking angel that found its way into the computers. It's, it's uh, very uh, 90s computer virus attacks. It is. Yeah, it also, I mean, it, it, this was the deep dive into Ritzko and what, what she's about. And again, it's like, what is her personal connection to this? Why is she doing what she's doing? And you kind of learn in her case, it's also a generational thing. Her mother was responsible for creating these supercomputers, um, you know, basically to the end of trying to understand or process all of the data that they discovered from Second Impact. You know, and now she has kind of inherited that and she's carrying on her mother's tradition of, you know, super cool computer hacker, um, you know, uh, uh, expert in, in the future science of, of but, you know, angel investigation or whatever. But it, it also comes back to that means to the end sort of sort of thing about how how the second impact generation is. And, and I'm using them as the, you know, not the people who are older than them who are maybe like kind of know of. You know, if you use it as a ecological, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, climate change sort of example, not the older generation who's like, well, I'm on my way out and I'm going to be dead before any of these effects are, mm -hmm. you know, they've cannibalized not only the younger generation, right? We're talking Ray, Asuka, Shinji, mm -hmm. but there's literally a shot. It's it's insinuated that it's her, you know the the program the thing she's reprogramming is a brain it's mm -hmm. insinuating that it's her mother's brain so not only is the second impact generation the people who are so affected by this tragedy cannibalizing the people who are younger to fight this tragedy but they cannibalize the people who are older 
to fight this tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That this has become all consuming. There's a, uh, I'm, I'm going to be getting ahead of myself, but yeah, there's a, there's a spo- uh, spoiler uh, coming up. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but it, it kind of pays off on that idea, actually. Ooh. Interesting. As, yeah. yeah. Well, at this point, we've got a lot of cool designs to go around. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about that tunnel that has all the programmer <laughs> notes. When I saw that, I'm like, what do you mean program? This is a crazy person's escape hatch. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're looking at is a crazy person's escape hatch. But yeah, it's both things. It's both a tunnel into this living computer brain, uh, a crazy person's escape hatch, a bunch of programmer notes, and the last remains effectively of the mother that is this program. Pretty gruesome in a way, by a far shot, not the, the weirdest thing we've seen. We've seen amazing angels in this arc, things that are really breaking the mold, things that are super huge, and the, the computer virus and a couple other things that we see in the next few episodes that are really just... They, they, they take the concept of this is an existential threat that affects us in ways you can't understand mm-hmm. and then show it in action like that shadow creature. Yep. Yep. The next couple episodes kind of, kind of slow things down, actually. I mean, they have the, the obligatory halfway through the season. It's time for the clip show to catch up everybody who, you know, who missed an episode along the way. Um, but that only runs for half the episode. And then we have, again, another like philosophical diversion this time entirely narrated by Ray talking about existence, her place in the universe, anyone's place in the universe. You know, meanwhile, this whole thing about how, um, again, how no one quite understands what exactly the Evas are and how they seem to have their own emotions and compulsions and, and all that. And that's really highlighted in, in weaving a story, right? That's mm-hmm. the, the episode where they run the synchronization test. Yeah. Both Ray and Shinji and Ritsuko all kind of come out with this idea that the Avas are attacking them, right? So mm-hmm. Shinji, because he's not the Ava's operator, right? He feels that he can't operate the Ava, right? Meaning that the Avas would have a preference to the operator. Then there's uh Ray, who thinks the uh Ava is attacking her, and the idea that she is kind of the one controlling it, making it move and do things against its will, right? And then Ritsko thinks that the Ava is, is going after her as, as one of the people who's essentially enslaved it, um, you know, all giving the, the heavy idea, you know, I think we've known that the Ava's are organic up until this point, but the, this strong idea that they are sentient, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's horrifying. It's yeah. awful. Yep. Yeah, and they play with that. Um, I like the way we just breezed through the the clip show with and the bad poetry. But you know, yeah, it, well, it's, it was clip show yeah. and bad poetry. I tried to stay awake. I swear. <laughs> but yeah, we're definitely like they do not shy away from the horror that is realizing what you're piloting, realizing what you're using as a tool, and realizing you don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and your connection to it may be a little too intimate for your own liking. And that's going to be emphasized even further in the next couple of episodes. I mean, after we get past another kind of... Well, the the next episode is just all about now it's time for the conspiracy stories. Now it's time for like the weird, you know, government dealings and all that stuff to to get a focus. There are so many moving parts going on in this series, and they introduce them pretty gradually to the point that, I mean, yeah, when you look back at it, whoa, this is confusing. 
but you kind of feel in the moment like you're just sort of carried along like, oh, yes, yes, deep philosophical discussion about the nature of man. Oh, okay, an investigation into depression and isolation. And oh, okay, and now, you know, government conspiracy to enslave aliens. Sure, why not? Well, it's like that piece of cheesecake we saw at the beginning of this arc. It, it, they, they sandwich it in with a bunch of generic animeness that you mm-hmm. almost don't realize what you're watching until you realize until afterwards you're like oh this is more than just the you know somewhat scummy roguish heartthrob this mm-hmm. guy is literally a spy and he's literally uncovering a vast conspiracy it's not just dramatic mm-hmm. posturing with gloves on those gloves conceal burns and the posturing is actual machinations that are going on behind the scenes to manipulate things mm-hmm. it's 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 layers upon layers in the show. I'm going to jump in here. This is the first episode where Kaji is essentially revealed to be a spy and ends up revealing Adam to yeah. Misato. The pacing in this episode is all out of whack for me. <laughs> it is kind of weird. I really, because 13-year-old James remembers thinking, Adam, and oh, Christian philosophy, and, you know, like, man, you know, you know, that sort of, like, deep. And But the introduction of Adam is so disjointed and so, like, both important and out of nowhere and lackluster. It's the last few seconds of the episode, and then we just cut off. And we don't really yeah. come back to it for a while. So yeah, yeah. it just yeah. my my notes are Adam is problematic question mark. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it just feels weird just seeing a crucified angel without legs and also with many many legs, and it, it just it the pacing I think is probably what makes it the weirdest thing of all. Uh, and it's just it just feels off. It feels off like a lot of anime that try to do this. Mm-hmm. There's just like it. it in, in other anime, it's it's almost an it's a joke, well, right? The, you you um you have uh, vague uh, language on the the side of your gun, and you shoot mm-hmm. the thing, and it's you're a vampire hunter, and it's fine. Uh, this one, it's just it, it it I don't know how to put it. It's just it's on the nose. It's on the nose. Like, hey, here is Adam. Adam, biblical Adam, I guess, is this gigantic monster which we have locked in the basement, you know, impaled on the wall. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. There's no subtlety. Subtlety is thrown out. It's just like, hey, hey, yeah, sure, that's it. It's an uneven episode as well because when you think about what comes before that, we have what Masato goes to a wedding, gets drunk, and comes home with Kaji, and they talk about like their former relationship and how she still feels like she's a child because she can't get over the feelings they had for each other. And at the same time, we have Asuka um, daring Shinji to kiss her because she's bored. <laughs> like all that, that sort of weird thing, you know. Love all it. The, yeah, oh, I, so, I love that scene. That scene yeah, is hilarious. I but, actually have it. This is, I think, the killer line. It may be the killer line of the series. Hmm. And it's, quote, my date was even more boring than you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, did you need to go to the hospital for that burn? <laughs> I think another thing that bugs me about this episode is Masato kind of doubling back on the themes were kind of presented her with a few episodes before. She's mm. like, Oh, I'm a terrible 
you know, she's like, oh, I want to be better. I'm a terrible guardian to these kids and blah, 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 blah. As compared to like a few episodes later, Masada was like, these children earn ends to a mean, burn them, you know, like <laughs> it's like it's it's almost like the show's trying a little bit to have its cake and eat it, too, which is bothering me, even though I'm pretty sure that's kind of a thing that the show does a little bit more as we go on. Uh, if I remember correctly, you you get the feeling of the different writers and directors, honestly, in each of these arcs. You really do. And I mean, the thing is that as I as I think I remember saying in the past that a lot of these characters are more layered and complex than, you know, that than you might expect. Like the idea that I, I think Masato, I said, is like th- what would be three different characters in a harem show. But right. I think that also means that the way they present these people is that they are at war with themselves, which kind of carries forward, though, some of the ideas of of Shinji. You know, like he is first introduced as a person who hates himself, who's kind of, you know, at struggling with himself. He wants to, he wants to, you know, uh, free himself from his relationship to his father. I mean, yet at the start of this arc, we find, oh, the reason I'm piloting an Eva is because my father says nice things to me when I do it. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> that's a pretty... Uh, pretty, you know, a uh, 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 sharp inner conflict there. And they really do throw that around and it can feel sloppy. You know, it feels like a few more sessions in the writing room might have smoothed over some of these bumps. Maybe there's some stuff that's lost in translation, some subtlety that's lacking there, but it is pretty jarring when you see like, okay, yes, these people, they are deep, they contain multitudes, etc. but they are also often at odds with their own stated interests. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if, again, maybe if they had a little bit more time or another, uh, maybe another draft or two, or it's lost in translation, mm-hmm. that they would earn some of this dichotomy we see, because I don't mm-hmm. think it's, I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's even inconsistency between writers necessarily. I do think it's, I think it's lack of, maybe even if they had a few moments where they, someone owns the character and says, you are all over the place. Which one is it? You know, mm-hmm. are these kids mm-hmm. tools or are you care, do you uh, care too much for them? But I, I do think that's part of most of these characters. They contain multitudes. Um, yep. And in almost every respect, there's, there's a moment of, of youthful exploration during the, uh, the kissing scene. But like, it starts off with, Afraid to kiss a girl on the anniversary of your mom's death. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? So yeah, what's happening here? Uh, but yeah, so okay. It kind of tracks. Katie, Katie hasn't really been watching along because I, I want her to do the new one. But like she'd just start like sitting down when that scene happened. She's like, well, that's an entry line. <laughs> mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely want to hear Katie's input on this eventually as well. Um, there's a lot of, uh, hits and misses for me in, in this arc as well, but I think the misses are a little bit like just strange awkwardness that I, 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 it sticks out now, uh, leaving a voicemail where you're being attacked by a perv, um, (laughs) saying that, uh, Ray, uh, 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 rings out clothing like a mother. I'm like, what is this foreshadowing? Even if this is foreshadowing for something, what are you talking about? Mm. Yeah, I was about to say foreshadowing for something indeed. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, there are some strange observations here. And honestly, I do think some of them are foreshadowing. And I do wonder about translation for some things yeah. like that, because it feels to me like like a word like, where, you know, we don't have the right word for what they're saying. Maybe maybe I am 
maybe I'm, you know, completely uh, uh, off base on that. And it is like, you know, direct word for word translation, but it, it kind of feels like the language there is clunky, you know, like there's some mm-hmm. nuance that we're supposed to have for some of these things, you know, or some understanding of, of, of that. But yeah, you're right. There is, um, there was a lot of weird language and word choice to, to things like that. Shinji is, is trying to bring up Ray's concept, like, you know, is Ray, what does she have in, 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 in sort of uh, uh, femininity or maternity about herself and so on, which is really like, you know, it, it seems like a really unsettling concept to her because we've seen her considering herself to be kind of outside and beyond all of the other people and their, you know, their relationships and their basic humanity. So, and again, her being unreadable, it's hard to tell if she finds that, you know, uh, uh, upsetting or intriguing. Mm-hmm. And the, later on in this same arc, they they hit it, they hit that nail in the head a little better when Shinji notices that Ray is using the same turn of phrase that his or the vision of his mother used mm-hmm. uh, before that incredible scene we end this kind of arc on of uh of the Ava being <laughs> giving birth, I guess, is a is a creepy way of referring to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. as a person who's a little claustrophobic, uh, the Sinji being trapped inside the shadow world, inside his own little cocoon, his 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 life raft mm-hmm. uh, was harrowing. All the problems I have with this arc, I really like 16 splitting of the breast or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I just the episode plays really well. The conflict between um, Ritsuko and Masato and dealing mm-hmm. with saving Shinji and Shinji's, you know, claustrophobia and self-introspection and maybe, um, you know, what do you call uh, uh, the hallucinations possibly in the, the shadow world. I just think it all, it's all really well done. And it, it kind of feels like an episode that I almost wish 17 Episode 17, it came a little earlier because it feels like a good transitional episode between the stuff that we were seeing earlier and the darker tone that the series is taking. Mm-hmm. When we find that they are, uh, Nerve is looking for a fourth child to pilot the next Ava. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, because you're right. 16 is such a deep dive into the philosophical stuff, the introspection of the character relationships. Yeah. And then we do kind of step back away from that for the fourth child episode, which is, again, a pretty slow episode coming on the heels of an episode that is so full of, I mean, that one starts with, you know, with action. There's an angel attacking, you know, where we're, you know, we're shooting off the machine guns, we're climbing buildings and we're emptying weapons at it and nothing works. And Shinji sucked into a shadow dimension. And yeah, and then we have that, all of that deep, thought on like just looking at mortality you know i mean yeah this like the whole second half of that is just a meditation on mortality and then leading to that yeah that that really violent sort of rebirth of the eva which has everyone horrified (laughs) by what they see and yeah and then we kind of step back away from that for fourth child so as a person who's just watching this effectively for the first time uh, i found this the last episode that that episode 17 we're talking about actually Mm -hmm. a little bit foreboding um I guess after finding out that first nerve isn't exactly what we think it is, mm-hmm. these Avas aren't exactly what we think they are. Everything is sort of arbitrarily decided. Uh, and the, the, even though the choice of pilots seem to be 
whatever is most useful to the people, right? Mm -hmm. To, to nerve, mm -hmm. uh, finding that basically backing up the story of, uh, of Toji and, and back giving our background of his, 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 his sister who got injured in, in effectively the first episode, mm -hmm. uh, how, you know, how life is tough, how it's ultimate. It's almost as if like, we're, we're watching from a distance as his life is about to get ruined. Yeah, and, it feels yep. so disconnected, and you're almost like, yeah, yeah. Actually, I love that, Frank. The way you just said that, it's almost as if we're watching disconnectedly from a distance. As you know, we see this kid's life who's kind of already not great, uh, and we're just thinking, like, man, his life is going to get ruined. And at this point, they have successfully made me feel like, you know what? I don't know what I, I, if I want to be a teenage pilot of a mecha. <laughs> Trust me, Frank from before watching this series would have been like, yes, absolutely. I would want oh, to do this. Oh, yeah. Well, but Kensuke now, is like, still begging know. for it. Yeah. <laughs> Kensuke yeah, is still begging for it. He's so upset about Toji. Well, okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's that's important, too, because we, we get the impression that uh, that you know, the naive way to go is still this, oh, I wish I could be a pilot, but no, I don't <laughs> think you want to like, and that, that makes, yeah. we let our kids play war, or at least there was a little bit more common back in the day where people would play uh, soldiers and what have you. Mm -hmm. But like, even growing up playing GI Joe, it's like, what are we, what are we, what do we think is fun? This is this yeah. be fun, right? To reference another great fiction, it's that that scene in The Giver where, you know, the the kid in The Giver finally gets the memories of what actual war is. And then he looks at all his friends playing the game of war and it's just horrifying to him. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So Evangelion, I think, does this well by, you know, it's almost like our children, they're in the meccas. You know what I mean? They see it from this safe pod inside their own little world and and barring maybe the experience shinji has in splitting of the breast they kind of see it from this bubble this bubble mm -hmm. where they're in control but we're watching it from this this position where we know they're not you know that it, it always seems that everyone when, else is when the angels are at their most monstrous the next thing we see is like somebody's waking up in a hospital bed and they're all tired and sleepy and like oh what happened you know like they never the angel uh, sorry the evas keep them from sort of experiencing the worst of it you know like they've got the at field they're in the safest place in the world right now they've got an at field defending their their eva you know or you know, they just pass out when things get really bad so yeah it's interesting because we have the we have the shielding of the kids from that, but they, they sort of, they sort of see it in bits and pieces until it comes through. Well, I mean, and it's, and they do that to the audience, right? Mm -hmm. So we're seeing it more and more disconnectedly as the series goes on, as compared to maybe we're, we were in Shinji's perspective, literally in episode one, he blacks out at the end of that episode, we black out. We don't know what mm -hmm. happened to Shinji until episodes later. Yep. Yep. That's true. Yeah. And even the flashes of, memories that Shinji sees when he's ex thinking about his father, what happened that come almost as if it's like, you know, post-traumatic stress It's it comes <laughs> flashing on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, so we should close out our thoughts. Any last thoughts from, uh, from either of you about uh, this arc of episodes? I'm worried. I'm not going to like the stuff that's coming as much as teenage James liked it. Oh, because I, 
I felt so uneven on this arc. The stuff I liked, I still really liked. But the stuff I didn't like, uh, you know, I just, I feel like there's no more synchronized dancing fighting in my future. <laughs> there is a lot less fun, honestly. I think that's one of the one of the things about the one that starts this, that we, we use to start off this arc, you know, uh, episode 12, where, you know, the, the team really does unite and they all get together and they're talking to each other about why do you pilot the EVA? Yeah, we're kind of past those those days. Now we've got all the pieces on the board. We've got all these different plots in motion. We're only going to make things more complicated when we bring in other characters, honestly. The people who come in after this just, you know, completely uh, muck up <laughs> storyline as they go. But yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of a lot of plates spinning. And that's mm. where I think um Depending on where you fall in the audience, yeah, people people start to fall off from the show at this point. There was always something, I always found something to love going through all these things, even when it was at its craziest, but yeah. <laughs> Here's where it goes from like, you know, yeah, fun anime into like, and now things get deep and things get rough. Well, I'll, I'll just add this, um, kind of uh, related to your points. Uh, my animation shortcut of the week is gotta be is actually probably in that first episode we saw in this arc where mm. uh the camera is on a non-speaking chinji while teenagers gossip uh, behind him about mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. so like it's it's genius because the camera's just focusing on him while everybody else is talking behind him no animated lips or anything no need it makes him look both distant to the world but also allows the humor of the series to develop. So you got teenagers, you know, gossiping about who's with who or what, who's doing what. And, but it, it doesn't feel like an animation shortcut. It is one, but it doesn't feel like it because it is developing this one character. And I love the fact that, that that's, it's both, you know, effective and cheap. And I'm worried about what's going to happen moving forward. So these moments of just humanity shining through. I think my favorite shot from this whole thing is the shot where they're riding up the elevator and they're oh, talking, yeah. their backs are to us. And then mm -hmm. it goes up and the way the music changes and the alarms blast and bam, the Avas. And it's almost as if I'm like, that's what they are. Like they're mm -hmm. not, you know, and same thing when the context of that episode, like, yeah. you know, like we don't see them individually in that moment. They just, they kind of thematically, they fit in with their Ava's, you know, mm -hmm. sectioned off. And, you know, I, this is yeah. my favorite. I mean, that shot's pretty famous from the show though. If I remember, like you see that I, a lot I, in trailers and stuff. I think that one's, yeah, I think that one's on the posters and, and that sort of thing. You know, one of the fun things about what, what, uh, what you brought up, Frank, um, that sequence uh, where Shinji's just listening. The best part is that it ends with a little thought from him where he's like, I always, I think I always used to wish I was around more people. And now why are they so noisy? And then he blinks. Like that's the only animation that happens. Like there's that long shot of him sitting there. And then at the, it ends with a blink. <laughs> so they do animate just the, the very last slice of that, of that shot, which is great. It I saw, I saw some recycled walking animation where they like recycle the walking animation like back and forth three times. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> you can yep. never unsee it. Like the uh, like yep. the sand person going, ah, you know. Yep. Yeah, Kaji has some really weird working ankles, and he's as he's walking home from the uh, the wedding there. Mm, yeah, he's got some problems. I don't know. He's wearing uh, <laughs> he's wearing shoes about four sizes too tight. I guess to uh, explain why his leg doesn't look right. You know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Well, that wraps up this part of our recap. We'd love to hear from all of you listening. Join us on our fan club, either on our Facebook group or our Discord server, and let us know what you think of what you've seen so far. Hopefully, you're enjoying the Netflix run. Uh, after this episode, we're gonna be we're gonna start talking about the changes between the Netflix version that many people are watching for the first time now. Uh, and the version we arguably grew up watching. And there are some interesting ones. So please stay tuned, like, follow, and subscribe, and all that jazz. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.